0: Um, Listen, today's message is going to have, if you've been in the church um, for a while, this is going to have some familiar components to it. You're going to have times that you say, I think I've heard that before. He might have said that before. And I really, really wrestled with God about, Lord, can we do something, maybe something original and new and all the things. And so last night from 3.30 to 5.00, He clearly, as he did not let me sleep, reminded me, no, that we're going to talk about what I've given you to talk about. And this is what he told me. A word isn't anointed because it's new. It's anointed because it's now. Okay. So as you're listening, and again, if you're new here, you'll be like, what? I've never heard any of this stuff. So that's great. But if you're, if you've been with this and you, and you're seeing some stuff and you feel yourself kind of going, I don't, I've heard that before. I'm telling you, ask the Lord to give you eyes to see things differently, to have ears to hear things differently, right? Because he's got a message right now. And if we lean into that, then there's, there's new in the now. Yes. For even those that you ever picked up the Bible and read a verse that you've read a million times and you went, whoa, that's what he's going to do today. Here's, here's. The big idea, this is what I want you to remember today, and then we'll spend the rest of the time talking about it. I'm going to go as fast as I can because I want to get you to the altars, and I want to pray over you. God wants to mark us with fire so he can launch us with purpose. That's it. He wants to mark us with fire so that he can launch us with purpose. Note takers, raise your hand. These are your messages. You love these because there's like 100 verses, I think. So get your notes out. Get your pens ready. Lick them. Make sure they write well. If you're not a pen and paper person, get your note app out. Click new note. I think you need to take notes, not because I'm amazing, but because God speaks through his word. And when he does, sometimes if you're like me, you're, oh, that's good. And you get to the car and you're like, what was that again? Jot it down. Type away. Even if your keyboard makes those clicky sounds that drives everybody crazy when you're texting. Here's four things I want you to know about fire. He wants to mark us with fire. So let's talk about fire first. Four things that fire does. Number one, fire protects. It protects. Zechariah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 says this. And then I looked up, and there before me was a man with a measuring line in his hand. I asked, where are you going? And he answered me to measure Jerusalem, to find out how wide and how long it is. When the, while the angel who was speaking to me was leaving, another angel came to me and said to him, Run, tell that young man, Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of people and animals in it. And one of our core four values is the uncontainable kingdom of God. We want to see God do something in this, in this city that our church is too small to contain. That other churches have to get involved with, right? Where people don't walk out going, the gathering is awesome. But they say, man, the kingdom is moving in Albemarle, right? And so th- we represent Jerusalem in this verse. He says, hey, it'll be a city without walls because of the great number. Basically, there's no way that they can build a wall around what I'm doing. And I myself, verse 5, will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. Fire protects. Here's the second thing that fire does. Fire purifies. Malachi chapter 3, verses 2 through 3 says this, But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he, God, will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. Some of y'all are parents of middle schoolers, and you're like, That word soap was God's word for you, right? He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Zechariah chapter 13 verse 9 says, This third I will put into the fire. I will refine them like silver. Where does that happen again? The ring of fire. The ring of fire, right? It happens in the fire. I will test them like gold they will call on my name and i will answer them and i will say they are my people who the people that have been through yeah they the people who have been through the fire right and they will say the lord is our god fire protects fire purifies right now y'all are like this is the fastest paul's ever preached he's already on point three now these are all subpoints points to the introduction you're fine though you're fine number three fire provokes Anybody ever touch something hot? Let me see if I can guess what you did. Oh, that feels great. No. Oh, oh, ow, right? Sometimes parents, we scare our kids because they get close to something hot, right? They're like, they learned that invisible air can burn you. We don't even let them touch it. We're just like, get away, wait away. Fire provokes, right? It it causes us to have a reaction. Um, Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak anymore in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I know this is a broken record for some of y'all, but I say this all the time. The church is weary in America. Do you know Why? Because we're holding the word in. Like, if you don't want to be weary, let that fire out. He said, I'm weary because I'm trying to keep it stuffed down in me. The word was never intended to be stuffed down in you. If for you alone, lock it up and never let anybody see it. Man, spread the fire. I'm weary from holding in. Fire provokes. Heat causes us to move. Unless you're a runner in the south, and then I guess maybe heat can cause you want to sit down. But you know what I'm saying. It provokes. And here's the fourth thing that fire does. Fire proves. Fire proves, first of all, that God is God. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 24. This is um, in the middle of, have you ever heard the story about Mount, Car- Mount Carmel? And so Elijah's like, hey, you, you get your altar built, and I'll get my altar built. I got an idea. You call on your God and I'll call on my God. And even more fun, like you can play at your altar, do all the things that makes your God want to come, and I'll just like pour water on my altar and make it really hard and then we'll see what happens. And here's what he says. And then you call on the name of your God, I'll call on the name of the Lord. I don't have time to go into this, by the way. But you ever heard this expression? You do you. That's big right now, right? I want to make sure you notice this. He said, then you call on the name of your God. Like, well, it's my, I, this is my God, and you've got your God, and you do you, and I'll do me. He didn't say, I will call on the name of my God. He said, I'll call on the name of the Lord. There's only one, y'all. Amen. There's only one. You want to do you? Great. Just don't do you into hell. Let's do you into heaven. Right, let's bow the knee to Jesus, Lord. He didn't. It's so interesting to me. Not you call on your God and I'll call on my God. No, hey, you call on your God and I'll call on the Lord. Right. And then here's what he said: the God who answers by fire, He is God. Fire proves. Fire proves that God is God. Fire also proves that we are gods. Daniel chapter three. You've heard this if you've been in you know, back when churches did Sunday school and final graphs and all the things, right? You've heard the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or at least you've watched Veggie Tales, probably. You've heard this story. And so this is about these three men. A king said, look, we're going we're gonna to play some music, and when we play that music, everybody's going to bow, and they're going to say how great I am. <laughs> That's fun, isn't it? What a What a king. I'm going to play some music with the band that I've hired and forced to play the song I love, right? It's probably Sweet Home Alabama. When they play that music, you're going to bow down, and you're going to tell me how great I am. So they would play the music. Everybody bows down. And listen, when everybody bows down except you, it's not hard to stand out. That's a word for a church that's trying to blend in with culture. When everybody bows down, and like your only act before God is, I'm just not going to bow to them. You will stand out. You don't have to eat a certain diet, like read the Bible 24 hours a day, wear certain clothing. I mean, it's it's just you just stand out because you said no. I will not bow, right? So here's I, the whole story is in Daniel chapter three. Um, I, I could read the whole thing, but it's it's a lot of verses. How about if I just highlight these two? Verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar, that's the crazy king with a band that wants people to bow down. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? The image was this really tall statue of Nebuchadnezzar, right? I commission you to build a big me. And he said, is it true that you will not serve my God? Now, just make a note of verse 14. Um, They said, no. If you've heard people preach great messages about, but even if he doesn't, right? Like, we will not bow to the image that you have set up. We will worship the Lord. He will rescue us. But even if he doesn't, we still won't bow down, right? They're super respectful. They call him king, the whole deal. But eventually, they get thrown into the fiery furnace, just giving you the highlights. At some point, the king looks, I don't know how, if they had a viewing glass. I don't know how this was done, right? But somehow the people that threw them in the fire died, but somehow the king was able to look in the fire. I don't know. But he looks in the fire, and he says to the people, wait, I'm not bad at, I'm not that good at math, but like, I thought we threw three people in there, but I see four. And the, the fourth one I see is walking around looking like the son of God. Well, the reason he looked like the son of God is because... He was, right? Okay. Jesus is in the fire with you, right? Now, be another in the fire, right? It's Jesus. He's the, he's the another. He's in the fire. And he said, I see four people walking around. And so then they, 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 he says, get them out, get them out, get them out. Now, the people that got them out didn't die. I don't. It's, it's crazy, right? But they get out and they, they pass the sniff test. The Bible says that nothing smelled like smoke. I'm talking to southerners that like to have fires in your fire pit, right? I mean, you just start the fire, and you got to wash your clothes. You smell like smoke. They didn't smell like smoke. Nothing. Now, verse 14, I just want to make sure you get this. Verse 14, he called them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse 26, he says, he approached them and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. He didn't call them that before the fire. Because fire proves. Fire proves that God is God. Fire proves that we are God's. Oh, wait, you're not just anybody. You're servants of the Most High God. And here's the third thing that fire proves. It proves that we are trustworthy. 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7. Peter writes this, In all this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. Anybody relate to that? These trials, verse 7, have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. The word that's used there where it says the proven genuineness of your faith and where it says gold has been refined by fire. The word for refined and the word for proven come from the same Greek word. It's dokimatsu. That's fun to say. Sounds like you're ordering Japanese, doesn't it? I'd like the dokimatsu, please. And it means to test, examine, prove, scrutinize to see whether a thing is genuine or not. To recognize as genuine after examination. To approve. To deem Worthy. I just want to make sure that you see this, the way this is written here, what's of greater worth than gold is not your faith. It's your proven faith. I felt like that was going to land differently. Could you sense it? Did you feel that from I was like pausing there, letting that settle? Your faith is not more precious than gold. Your proven faith is. Because faith is it comes through the fire and fire proves that we are trustworthy. We use this illustration a lot. Football season has begun. Yay. My team is, I got a couple teams. They're undefeated and they've even played games. That's amazing, right? Now today the Panthers kick off and so that could be ruined, but we'll see. What I love about football, or any sporting, sporting illustration, is that the ball is entrusted to somebody who can actually protect it. If it's in football, they're like, don't fumble the ball. I know enough about, I know you're going to think, how does he know this? Because it's hard to tell that I've played football in, when I was a kid. Um, but when you carry the ball, you got to have three points of contact. They teach you that all the time. There's the, the front tip of the ball. And then you put the back tip of the ball here, and then your third point is right here in the ribcage. you got to suck it in there and pull it in there really hard because people are always hitting it. Why are they hitting it? Because they want the ball to come out of your hands so they can get the ball. So guess who the coach doesn't give the ball to? People who think they're awesome and showboat and hold it out like a loaf of bread. People that fumble every time somebody breathes on them. They don't give the ball to that person. See, our faith has to be proven that we are trustworthy. That when the fires come, we don't go, ooh, ow, 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 drop the ball and run away like little kids. It doesn't mean that we enjoy the fire. It just means that we understand it, right? It purifies and it proves who we are. We are trustworthy and our proven faith is more valuable than gold. I believe that God is calling a generation, and we use that word generation. We usually think like, do you mean the, the little kids? The teenagers, the young adults, do you mean like the people like you, Paul, that have gray hair? Don't even say that out loud. What's wrong with you? No, when I say generation, I mean every single person who's breathing on the planet right now. This is our generation. And he's raising up a generation that will be marked and that will be launched. We're marked by fire. But if we're going to be launched, we got to have three things, okay? So here's the last three points. We're going to have three things. First thing we're going to have is power. I just realized all these start with P. Y'all should clap right now. That's incredible. That's perfect. That's preposterous. Did we do this last week? Cut right, thinking of a lot of P words right now. Potential. Pretty. uh, P's. I don't know. So we need three things, okay? We need three things if we're going to be marked and launched. Number one, we got to have power. A couple more verses for you. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is the verse that every Pentecostal pastor has to have tattooed somewhere on their body when they are ordained. I'm kidding, (laughs) y'all. Some of y'all are like, show me. No. (laughs) Acts chapter. What is wrong with y'all? Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God, we got to have power, and the power is the fire that marks us. The Holy Spirit is that fire that marks us, and he gives us power to do what we just read. I think sometimes what we do is we try to hype ourselves up, Right? We try, to, we try to empower our own selves. And um, anybody, just curious, uh, let's do a quick survey. How many of you get gas when you have half a tank left? Anybody like that? How many of you get gas after the light came on and you drove it long enough to see if the estimator in your car was right? Okay, yeah. Anybody ever gone into single digits? Wow. Anybody ever run out of gas because it was wrong? Okay. Um, I always think of um, Hunter's wedding at the top of the mountain, you know, and I'm driving to it, and it's taking me forever to get there, and I'm watching my gas gauge, and I'm like, I know how many, I've also got the GPS on, so I know how many miles it is. I'm like, oh, I, can, I got this. I've got enough gas to get up to the top of the mountain, do the wedding, come back down the mountain, fill up with gas, right? Because it says right there like 40 miles to empty, and it's like 10 miles up. But 10 miles in mountain roads, right, it's like, hmm, hmm, I'm just watching the numbers go down and down and down. And I think I got to the top of the mountain, I might have had like 15 miles to empty, and I was like, well, the good news is I'm here, right? I'll do the wedding, and then the better news is I'm going downhill. I'll just coast. I mean, I literally, there was a gas station at the bottom of the mountain, and I think I pulled in. I was, that was my one single-digit moment, right? It's like, whew, I'm glad it was accurate. But we, we, we tend to think, like, hey, my car's empty, so what do we not do? We don't, like, try to fill the car up with stuff that the car already has. We go to the gas station, we get the nozzle out, we take a deep breath because it's going to cost us an arm and a leg. We put that thing in there, we squeeze it, and we don't even watch. It's just painful to watch. I mean, thankfully, prices are coming down a little bit, but it's been crazy. But we get the gas from another source. Are you with me? (laughs) Some of y'all really practical people, you're like, Paul, you could have just said that. You could have just said that. I'll never get those three minutes of my life back. That's right. That's right. Therapy for you. We get the gas from another source. Y'all, the church is, we're so busy trying to empower ourselves. Play that song that really gets us going. Get the really good speaker. Hey, let's start a ministry, but only if we have the best people. We try to empower ourselves. We've got to have power from another source, from an outside source, someone who's not us, and that's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit empowers us. He gives us power to do what he called us to do. Now, the second thing we've got to have, this is a this is not a fun P word, but we've got to have persecution. The church does not talk about suffering today. It's not popular, right? Nobody, like, flocks to a service about suffering. But we've got to have persecution. If we're going to be marked by fire and launched with purpose, then persecution is what we need to have to get us moving out. Because what does fire do? It provokes. So, what I love about this is um, you ever, you ever uh, had a goal? Everybody has goals like, say, December the 31st. You're like, next year I'm going to, and whatever that is, and you're so gung-ho about it, right? And then, I don't know, maybe it's, I'm gonna go to the gym, and somewhere around January 2nd, it all falls apart, <laughs> right? Like, we're so excited about it, but then we just it just falls apart. Or you, you're like, I'm, this year, I'm going to clean out that closet. Right? And then when the family comes for Thanksgiving, you're like, don't open that door. Right? Because you didn't clean it out. You filled it up even more. You found more space in that closet. We, we start so well. We just don't tend to sustain it. And the Holy Spirit is not a starting power. He's a finishing power. He's fin- he's going to help us finish the race, and so sometimes what we need is we need we need a little persecution to get us moving. What I what I think is crazy about Acts chapter one eight and Acts eight one is that sometimes I find myself saying, "Man, God, it'd be easier to follow you if I had just lived during the Bible." You ever have you ever said that? If I if I could have just been one of the twelve, like, if I could have just seen Jesus like literally heal a body, I would never have doubts. So what's crazy is like. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus is talking to the early church, and he says, we we just read it, hey, you're going to receive power because you got to have power, and you're going to be my witnesses. And so they're like, sweet. They're the first people to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, up until Pentecost, the Spirit would come on people, but at Pentecost, the Spirit was in people. These were the first in people. You with me? Firsthand. It took them seven chapters to get comfortable. They saw Jesus. They firsthand received the Holy Spirit. They're the people that didn't talk about the good old days. They were the first ones. And it took them seven chapters to forget what they were filled with power to do. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 said they'd be filled with power. And Acts chapter 8 verse 1 says this. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Why? Because sometimes we need fire to launch us. We get comfortable. And they were like, I know we're supposed to go to the ends of the earth, but I'm kind of liking church in Jerusalem right now. I mean, all of our friends are coming. We're the it church. It's I didn't even know Peter could play electric guitar, but he's killing it. They were loving it. And so they were like, maybe we'll get around to the mission later. And so we we got to have power, but we have to have persecution. Persecution. And what's crazy is the persecutions in our life that we're praying to get out of very often are there to get us to the places that God told us to go to originally. Well, if you'd just gone there, I wouldn't have had to use persecution to make you Go there. Okay, crowd participation time. And then we're gonna start moving to the end. Can I get? You won't get messy. I won't take your money. I just need two people to help me. Can I get two people that'll just be willing to help me? Who come? Thank you so much. Can can you, you want to come on now? Yeah. Anyone just grab somebody. Oh, thanks. Come on. I, I thought you got to just pick somebody and who's gonna. Do you mind coming up on the platform? Thank you. So, can I have your wallet? I'm kidding. We're not gonna do that <laughs> yeah. yet. Now, some of you have seen this before, but I think it's such a great illustration. Um, Y'all feel strong? Feel pretty strong? Good. I like how Laura had confidence. Okay, so this is a medical piece of equipment. No, it's it's a balloon launcher. So I'm going to ask one of you to grab one of the handles and the other one grab the other handle. Thank you so much. And um, okay, y'all are already pulling it. That's great. So okay let's well let's get coordinated here y'all go on that side yeah and I'll come here now because I love these two people I didn't put a balloon in here but wouldn't it have been better if I had yeah Yeah. so I I need to make sure y'all understand this a balloon launcher do you know what it does y'all are so good it's amazing how fast they learn that so the way it launches a and I know I know how these work because, like, when I was a youth pastor, we used these at youth camp to hit people. <laughs> it was great. Okay, so how these work is you you just you just stand here. You're doing great. You are fantastic. You're really good, and you just do that, right? Oh, of course not. Yeah, sorry. You you have to pull back, which creates. Attention, Y'all have gone to school. You're, y'all are, you're preaching my message for me. It's fantastic. And so here's what, here's the thing about persecution. The greater the stretch, the farther the launch. And what we hate is, are y'all good? you good. Okay. What we hate is like when God really starts to pull really i'm pulling a muscle right now in my groin here i'm kidding when he really starts to pull are y'all okay i'm having way too much fun right you can tell am i red i feel red <laughs> wendy's like stop when he really starts to pull on our lives have you ever been in this place this is when we start to pray for breakthrough right we get really spiritual i need breakthrough we start playing eddie james all the time on repeat breakthrough breakthrough what i've learned in my life personally is that your breakthrough is usually at the same place as your breaking point just before this thing breaks i'm trying not to make my arms like move because i want to look strong if i let go are y'all okay that's what happens I just about fell off the platform. That's great. (laughs) Give them a big hand. Thank you so much. I literally just about went off the platform. Y'all were so strong. It was great. Now, that's what persecution does. God uses persecution to stretch us so he can launch us. Because he wants a church that is marked by fire and launched with purpose. Now, last P word. This is the last P word. We need to have power, and we need to have persecution, but we also have to have one more thing. We gotta have perspective, and here's why. If we don't have perspective, then here's what happens. We have power, and we have persecution. He pulls that balloon launcher back and he starts launching us into the world. And guess what he's launching into the world if all we have is power and persecution. God's playing angry birds. <laughs> he's just launching a whole bunch of grumpy Christians into the world. <sighs> My life just turned upside down. It's going to hell in a handbasket. Fine, send me somewhere. Who wants to receive that gospel, right? So he has to shift our perspective he has to give us a different perspective on the troubles that we're facing so that we have an anticipation about where he's launching us. Here's a couple verses for you. James, I'm sorry. First Peter chapter four, verses 12 through 13. This is, this is in the message. I, I just love the way uh, Eugene Peterson writes this. Well, let me find it. I don't have it. How do I not have that? look it up on your own time it's great first it's 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 12 and 13 in the message oh i got my phone i got a bible right here hold on talk amongst yourselves while i find it you know i've already got it i'm just waiting to see if you'll talk amongst yourselves and you're not Okay, just making sure. Dun, dun, dun. Almost to the message. Doing great. Talk about Elvis. He's dead. He has literally left the building. Okay, Whew. here we go. Found it. Here's what he says about persecution and perspective on it. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. I love that. Glory just around the corner. Some perspective On suffering, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says this, consider it pure joy. How much joy? Pure Pure joy. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything second corinthians chapter 4 verse 17 says for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all man so when we have power and perspective then we're able to use see the persecutions in our life launch us to where god wants us to go now i believe that pictures are literally worth a thousand words Which is why I'm going to show you a picture. Some of you have seen this before. But it's a perfect picture of what God wants to do in our lives. How he wants to use the trials in our lives. Can we show that picture? So, there's there's a lot to focus on in that picture. But I want you to notice the cat. (laughs) That cat has been in that boat. And that cat wanted to get out of that boat. That cat is free, right? That cat has been launched into its destiny. I have no doubt about it. And listen, when we have the right perspective on the troubles that we face, when we recognize that, hey, God's using these troubles to purify me, to refine me, and he's going to launch me with his message on purpose to a generation that needs it, then we'll be like that cat. Whee! Send me, God. Send me, God. Launch me wherever you want to go. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. And if the band can come, we're going to start wrapping up. I mean, even if the band doesn't come, we're still going to wrap up. (laughs) I almost did it, too. I almost did it. We were talking backstage, like, how do you want to call the band up? Because I'm not subtle. And Cohen, it's good to have you with us today, by the way. He was like, Hey, maybe you should do something like, is there anybody that plays drums? (laughs) I almost did it. So close, so close. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Jesus told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You lead a ministry team here at the, the gathering, and you're one of those people that's always like, I just can't get people to serve. Jesus had the same problem. It's not new. That's not, a, that's not from COVID. That's, that's been around for a while. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. In just a minute, I'm, gonna, I'm hopefully going to be able to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to give us the opportunity to pray. That God would fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit. What I want you to see in this verse is that word send. Lou Engel was the first person I heard talk about that word. And in the Greek, that word is ekbalo. And what it means in the Greek is to cast out, drive out, send out with a notion of violence to expel a person from society, to banish from a family, to compel one to depart, to bid one to depart, in stern, though not violent language, as employed, so employed that the rapid motion of the one going is transferred to the one sending forth to command or cause one to depart. It's not, can I get a volunteer? Can we please? please, Please, we just teach somebody that calls themselves a Christian to do the nursery. <laughs> Love the little children like Jesus. Oh hey, I saw a. I saw the light went away. I was like, "What is happening right now?" I, I thought, "God, you've answered my prayer. Are you here to serve in the nursery?" You want to say something? Oh. i'm not used to that that scared me that's great that's great that's great you just stay right there the rest of the service (laughs) we beg people to do what jesus wants to drive you to do you know why we pray we pray so that he'll follow you and me this is the same word that's used when Jesus drives out demons. And and the other night, I was sharing this at a church, and Wendy, Wendy, we got in the car, and she was like, you know what I realized while you were talking? She said, I pictured cornhole. No, did I say cornhole? You did. And I was like, so while I was preaching, you were thinking about cornhole. Sinner, right? She was like, no, no, check this out. Like, and i think what she was trying to say in a nice way was not when you play cornhole paul but i thought about david david williamson because he's a he's amazing uh, dj's pretty good like we got some pretty decent cornhole players but like these these people can they can launch a cornhole bag thing and it actually lands where they want it to go like when i launch it i hit people but when they launch it And she was like, I I know we talk about, like, stretching back and God launching people and the balloon launch and all that. But she said, I just kept picturing, like, God targets an area. And he sends, he ekballos us to that place. And that's what he wants to do with this church. He has a place for you. He wants to ekballo you. I've been praying for weeks That in encounter, he would mark us with fire and he would launch us with purpose. And this morning, I want to have the opportunity to pray that he would mark you with fire. Fill you with, to the point that you, like the Apostle Paul, would say, the love of Christ compels me. I've got to serve. I've got to go. I must speak about Jesus. I'm compelled by his love. Nobody's making me do it. I'm not trying to score points. I I have to go marked by fire launched with purpose church who here this morning would like to be prayed for to receive the power of the holy spirit so that you can be launched marked and launched I'm, they're just gonna sing right and and if you don't come to the front i'm gonna ask you to stand and i'm gonna ask you to sing with the same passion that you had at the beginning of the service and we're just gonna take the time to pray for people that want to be prayed for We're going to ask God just to mark them with fire, fill them with the power of the Holy Spirit so they can be launched by Him to the purpose that He has for them. We're not going to be in a rush. The food will be there when it's over. We're just going to take some time and just minister to one another at the altar.